We've got the bobs there. Do keep them open to Colossians. Uh, pretend chocolate frog for the first person who tells us what page it's on. 953. Uh, well, to start, I want to show you a video of Tiger Woods at age two. So right now, I'd like to meet Tiger Woods and his father, Earl Woods. Earl, how, how old is uh, how old are you, Tiger? Two. Two. There you go. Did you see that shot? Like I can't even hit a golf ball like that, and I'm 38. Uh, Marvellous. And if you Google Tiger Woods as as a kid, uh, it just gets better and better as he gets uh, a little bit older. Uh, What's remarkable about Tiger Woods, though, is clearly he uh, had a gift, but when he was at the height of his uh, powers, he was practising golf for 13 hours a day. 13 hours a day, even though he was born with that rare and special gift. You see, the thing about elite athletes is they do have something special, and yet... They need to put that special gift into practice. And I want to sort of draw a, a loose analogy for us uh, between that idea and our reality as Christians. As Christians, we're born again with a special gift, the gift of our salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. And that gift can never be taken from us. But God's call on us and his empowering presence with us by his spirit is to help us to go to work in putting our faith into action. And as we do that in a world that is still under the curse of sin, it can be hard and difficult and there can be all sorts of traps for us along the way, but we need to continue to be working out our faith, working out what it means to follow Jesus in all aspects of our life. We need God to help guide us and to put our faith into action. And Paul's letters, and this is one of Paul's letters, the letter to the church in Colossae, Colossians, it's written to the Christians to remind them of the gift they have, their salvation in Jesus Christ, and to help them to put their faith into action in all sorts of different areas and the different dilemmas they face in their particular area of the world trying to follow Jesus and all the different stresses that that has on them. And that's useful for us as we think about how we put into practice the gift we have, the same gift of salvation through faith in Jesus Christ, with some similar and yet different pressures on us as Christians. So, like uh, any good student of the Bible, as we begin uh, trying to understand a letter, we need to locate the thing in its context. And the letter to Colossians helps us because it tells us some things about its context. It tells us right up there at the very start, chapter 1, verse 1, who wrote it? Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, Christ, of, of Christ Jesus by the will of God and Timothy, our brother. If you don't know much about Paul, 
Let me encourage you to read the book in the Bible alongside reading through Colossians, uh, the, the book of Acts. It's a remarkable story of how the early church grew and it contains in a large part lots of biographical details of the Apostle Paul uh, and of Timothy and their life and their missions. And in Acts 9, we read of Paul's conversion on the road to Damascus. Uh, it's one of those parts of the Bible that has entered into our uh, everyday lingo, uh, uh, having a Damascus moment where you, you suddenly you realise something in a totally ref, uh, a fresh way that turns your whole life upside down. For in Act, at the start of Acts chapter 9, Paul is called Saul and he's on his way to kill Christians only for Jesus to radically intervene and eventually for him to take on the new name Paul and to set out to convert the Roman Empire and the Jews to Christianity. And so Paul becomes the great apostle to the Gentiles, writing many letters to churches to help them figure out how they should follow Jesus, how they should put their faith into action. And many of those have been preserved and continue to help us today as part of the scriptures. So Paul writes this letter and he writes it to God's holy people, verse 2, in Colossae, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, we can deduce a few things about this place from the, what's in the letter itself and from what we know about uh, first century uh, history and that part of the world, Asia Minor, as it was known then. The church, we know, was most likely made up of primarily Gentile Christians, that is, people who were not of a Jewish background but who were uh, from other parts of the Roman Empire. And we think this just because of the nature of the letter. It doesn't have any Old Testament quotes and the way Paul kind of writes, it doesn't seem like he ever is trying to make an appeal to people who might be soaked in the things of, 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 of the Jude, 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 Jewish faith. So it's likely that we've got, we're dealing with a, a mostly Gentile church and they live in this town called Colossae which one scholar describes like this. This was the least important church in the least important town to which any of Paul's letters was addressed. Good thing there that it's 2,000 years later and they're not around to hear uh, said uh, scholar. But what we know is that Colossae was once an important and vibrant city where two of the famous Roman roads intersected. But one day, the government, as they want to do and have been apparently for well over 2,000 years, decided to move the road. And uh, with do, moving one of these roads, the town really declined. And the, the town that was near where they moved the road to, Laodicea, which you might also be familiar with from the book of Revelation, uh, it grew in prosperity. So I guess you've sort of got a, a town, perhaps, as I read the scholars' descriptions, not too dissimilar from a, a Midland town in Tasmania, once 
thriving and bustling as uh, people went up and down uh, the, the Midlands, now to it being a two-bit small town off the side of a highway that no one ever goes to anymore. Not quite perhaps that much decline, but nonetheless, it's had that decline as the road has moved on. But it's still got a history, and it's a history of uh, uh, being a melting pot of cultures and ideas from all around the Roman Empire. And Paul writes to this church from jail, we know that from the very end of the letter, if you flip through to chapter 4, verse 18, I write this greeting in my own hand, remember my chains, grace be with you. He writes it from jail, but we don't know exactly when Paul wrote this letter. We know that he spent, Paul that is, spent a reasonable amount of time in jail uh, for his sin of preaching the gospel. But unlike uh, other letters which are more easily placed into Paul's life as we uh, read about it in the book of Acts, Acts never talks about Colossae at all and we, we have no real idea when he wrote it. And if you uh, want to have some fun, you can go and read the different uh, arguments about which city and which time it was when Paul was in prison uh, that he might have written this letter. But the two best answers are he either wrote it in Rome, which is where he's in prison at the end of the book of Acts, or perhaps he wrote it in Ephesus, where he stayed for three years and was probably in prison once or twice while he was there. But it's all conjecture, and the letter doesn't give us any clear answers. So Paul wrote it. He wrote to the Colossians. He wrote to them who live in this kind of town that's gone past its heyday, uh, uh, but uh, it's still a, a, a reasonably significant town. And Paul's written to them, but it's different to many of the other letters Paul writes because this is not a church that finds its beginnings with the Apostle Paul. Rather, this is a church that Paul has heard about. Verse 4, we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all God's people. He's only heard of its reputation. The church itself, we read in verse 7, was founded thanks to the preaching of Epaphras. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf. Epaphras, we think, became a Christian in the nearby town of Ephesus, where Paul was uh, living for about three years and ministering, and has then gone back to his hometown of Colossae to tell him about Jesus. You, you, he might have gone up there for work or study or something like that, the, the kind of way that people leave smaller towns to go to bigger cities even today uh, and get exposed to new ideas, and then they go back and tell others about it. It's the same kind of dynamic that it seems has happened here for Epaphras. And we know he's from Colossae from the end of the letter where Paul says, verse 12, chapter 4, Epaphras, who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends greetings. Lest you think I was just making stuff up, there's some good evidence to think why we've got a local man who's been converted and come back to his village. So, 
Paul's heard from Epaphras about the faith of the Colossian church. And now he's going to write to them to encourage them as they live as Christians to stick to Jesus, to keep believing the gospel, to keep seeking God by his spirit to transform their lives and to resist any false or misleading ideas that might lead them away from the life-changing power of the gospel. He's saying this is how you do your 13 hours of golf. And I think that actually makes the letter quite useful for us because we need this encouragement too, don't we? To stick to Jesus and to not be led down uh, uh, to false ideas and rather to stay true to the gospel. So now we've got some context, we can kind of start to dive into what Paul actually says. And we see that Paul begins this letter to the church, remember that he's never met, by encouraging them and praying for them, which I think, if you're sending a letter to someone you haven't met, is a good starting point, isn't it? We always thank God, verse 3, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love you have for all God's people. The Colossians' faith is a faith that has produced life change. It's a faith that has, been, that has led them to be known for their love. And their faith and their love have come, we read in verses 5 and 6, as a result of what they believe. The faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. These Colossians are living different kinds of lives, lives of faith and love because of their hope in Jesus, because of their belief in the gospel. But that reality has been transformative for them. And Paul's thankful that this is actually not just the reality for the Colossian church, but for believers everywhere. The gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, verse 6. The gospel of grace, knowing Jesus, is a life-changing thing. Faith produces life change. It produces love. Not just in Paul's day and in the Colossian church, but in our day and in our church too. It's been wonderful, hasn't it, to see how our church has been changed by the gospel. The overwhelming response we had to the Anglicare Winter Appeal to provide practical support to people in need. The joy we just heard earlier in our service at the, the, the way God was able to provide for the Lowe's and Fishers ministry. The way people in our church have surrounded uh, different uh, mums in the playgroup ministry who've been struggling. And there was one at a particular point last year who we provided meals to and who I know because it's Tasmania and I know one of their long distant relatives uh, has reported back 
that they never felt so loved by anyone before. They're not ready for Jesus yet, but they've said to their friend, if they ever, their family member, if they ever were, it'd be this church where they came. All the people who invest in the lives of others as they're going through the ups and downs, it's wonderful to see gospel fruit in our church leading to lives of love. It's wonderful to see faith in Jesus Christ and love for all God's people in Lindisfarne. And so like Paul, I am thankful for how I see faith working itself out. It's not that we don't have more to do, of course, but we ought to be encouraged by what God is doing. And Paul continues to pray. For this reason, verse 9, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. And as I've been uh, reflecting on the Paul the pastor and his letter to this church and thinking about my own role here uh, as your, one of your pastors, uh, I felt a little bit convicted. Not that I haven't been praying for you or that I don't, but that uh, could I write that I've never stopped? I should and could do it more. But also, as I've reflected on Paul's words, and perhaps it's because I've just come back from Synod and seen the realities of some other parishes, but I don't think that's the primary motivation. I think actually it's, it's the truth. It's wonderful to be your pastor. It's wonderful to see God work in your lives. And so I commit to praying for you more as Paul prayed for the church in Colossae. And I hope it won't just be me who ups his uh, prayer life for us, but that you will too. And Paul tells us what we should pray next in case you're thinking, well, what would I pray? First, he calls us to pray that we'd be full of knowledge and wisdom. Verse, second half of verse 9. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. What does that mean? To have a knowledge of his will and an understanding that the Spirit gives. I think in light of what Paul has already prayed, we're best to understand this as a prayer that God would continue to work out the implications of the gospel in their life. A prayer that God would give you wisdom and understanding to be the best Christian you can be in the context that you find yourself. The best Christian worker that you can be, the best Christian parent that you can be, the best Christian neighbour that you can be, the best Christian grandparent that you can be. Whatever situation it is that God is calling you to live your life uh, out as a Christian in our increasingly complex and difficult world, you're going to need God to fill you with the knowledge of his will by his spirit so that you'll be wise. You need to devote yourself to God's word where he reveals his wisdom to you. You need to come to the Bishop's Training event and hear excellent speakers 
But it's always astounding to me how often when I'm reading my Bible that it will be immediately applicable in some way that day. And so if we're going to pray for God to fill us with knowledge and wisdom, he can and he will do that in spite of us, I am sure, but nonetheless he's given us a training tool, hasn't he? Devoting ourselves to his word and allowing him to teach us and change us through it. So we're going to pray for that, and I'm going to pray for that for us. Next, Paul prays for strength, endurance, and patience for the Colossians. He prays, verse 11, that being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you might have great endurance and patience. I think it's good that Paul prays this because it it can sound like living as a Christian would only be wonderful, doesn't it? The gospel comes, it brings the good news of God's salvation, it transforms you to live a life of faith and love. You experience that in Christian community. Why, Why would you need endurance and patience and strength if that's the reality that you're going to live in as a Christian? Well, it's because we're going to live as a Christian in a broken world set against God. To live as a Christian is to live differently to the world around us. And though we're going to experience the joy of Christian faith in our life and in our gatherings together, to live wisely in a world that loves sin and believes the lies of Satan is going to require strength, endurance and patience. We're going to need to pray for each other as we stand firm. We need wisdom. We need endurance, strength and patience. Finally, Paul prays and gives thanks for their salvation. Though it may be hard to follow Jesus in a world that is set against him, It's totally worth it because by the gospel we have salvation. Verse 12, giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of life. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. It's not that living lives of love have qualified them it's God who qualifies them it's God who qualifies us through Jesus who brings us redemption and the forgiveness of sins and this is wonderful news indeed something to be deeply thankful for often I think the good news of the gospel we can think it becomes basic and boring. But actually, it's the foundation upon which everything else stands. We've been rescued from darkness and brought into the light. We've become children of the King through Jesus. We've been redeemed and forgiven. And we just need to come back to that again and again and again because it is good news. Not only that, it is transformative news. The gospel is the powerhouse for life change. 
I wonder what you make of it. The good thing is, if you're here today and you're not sure, we're about to start a course where you can go and ask your questions. But if you can't make that, why don't you make a time with me after church today or with Andrea or the person you came with to ask your questions, to ask us what our life has been like because we've built our lives on the foundation of the gospel. Because it really does change everything. But for those who do believe, let me encourage you today to give thanks. To give thanks to God for your salvation. And to pray for yourself and for your church family here at Lindisfarne to continue to work out the fruit of our salvation, to, to put into practice the gift that God has given us. Amen. Amen.